Maria Bamford invited me to your show. Okay. She said, Maria Bamford said, this is the best show I've ever seen in my life. And she's seen a ton of shows. Okay. She's seen a lot, a lot of shows. And she was so blown away. Um, and I was too. And so I, I just, I guess I just, and I've listened to now some other podcasts with you. So I've kind of gotten some info about the creation of Broadway Barbara. But I guess I just want to know. Yeah, I just wanted to know more like for like how like it's so and so obviously in listening to other podcasts, I've seen that you studied at the Groundlings. You have a long musical theater history you know you're not like this isn't like the first thing you've done you've created businesses you've created characters you've been around like doing this Uh but like i guess like how did this come about i i want to know also I, i have so many questions but how did this come about and how did broadway barbara come about come about okay well so yeah the groundlings and that's how i know who you are because i saw i saw your dance show because i went to college with mikey day what yeah (laughs) wow mind blown so you were at ucla at the time of mikey day yeah yeah with that whole like crew so uh, we would go to his shows all the time. And I don't know that we ever, like, met, but I knew of you for forever. So, like, even I think when you followed Barbara, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I know Melinda. Um, so that was exciting for me. But anyway, yeah, the Groundlings, obviously, is a place where a lot of things start. And I had had a history of doing musical theater for forever, like, from my early 20s in New York, uh, you know, after I graduated UCLA, I spent a lot of time doing regional theater and touring. And one of the shows I toured with was 42nd Street, which is like a big, you know, old book musical that's tap dance musical. Uh, And so when I was at the Groundlings in in my advanced class, I just... All I ever wanted to do was play older lady characters anyway, in general. Like, all I wanted to cast in were, like, the old character, you know, the older women roles. So, as when I got into the Groundlings, that's really all I wrote were, like, older women characters. And so, uh, why interrupt me. Yes. You know what? When I want to interrupt, I'll go like this. Because sometimes IG Live is so, but, like, I know. Why were you drawn to the old lady characters? I mean, I totally relate because I always like write a kind of a male or an androgynous or an older character myself. Yeah. But like, why do you feel like you were drawn to that? I just, I, I've always been interested in sort of like the arc, like the life lived in those characters, particularly characters like Mama Rose and Gypsy, who you know, obviously is like living vicariously through her young daughter, but then you find out later she has this mental break and you, you know, you find out that she wanted these things for herself. So I just feel like there's so much more complexity and depth to those kinds of characters. 
and also I just was like always like silly and weird and not and like it's not an ingenue type you know so but I kind of looked like one so I always had a hard time being cast in a character part when I was auditioning in New York so um so yeah I was always told even from like college on that it would take me a really long time to like find my place because of being sort of more of a character and liking these being good at these older women parts too that I was playing when I was in college because you can when you're in college (laughs) so um so yeah I I hope that answers your question I was drawn to it for that reason totally I I and uh like okay so in all the things so like how was your experience at Groundlings how did which which advanced show were you at that I did with Mikey Day I was at the one that with your tooth fairy sketch like that's the one that I remember the most of what you've done obviously that was like so great I love that sketch so whichever advanced show that was cool that's that's yeah wow that's like that's amazing that you were at that show that was such a special vortex um yeah I uh Yeah, I I guess walk me through, like, because also I'm so, walk me through the process of creating a viral Barbara, Broadway Barbara video. Like, were they always viral? Did they hit the ground running from the go? So I'll go back to, uh, so creating, so I created the character as a five-minute sketch at the Groundlings. So it was first, and Jim Rash was my teacher in advance. And there are still, not in the Christmas show you saw, but there's still some, like, lines of Jim Rash that are in the the main show that I do. Um, but it was a five-minute sketch of this character, Barbara, auditioning for 42nd Street, trying to prove that she can still play the ingenue role. So it was just a five-minute sketch of her auditioning and aggressively tap dancing to prove that she still can, like, play the part. <laughs> And it was the most successful sketch I'd ever done. And even, so that got me into Sunday Company. And even while I was at Sunday Company, it's like I could never get back to that that one sketch that was so successful that people related to so well. Um, and so, so, yeah, so for years I was like, I've got to make it into a full show because this character has, you know, has the potential to be to just do a full satire so a full parody of what that woman's one person show would be so like a elaine stritch's elaine stritch at liberty or liza minnelli's you know whatever her full show so a satire of that but obviously i i still love like musical theater is first and foremost what i love the most so it's not it's not like it's also celebrating the form as well, right? It's like a parody, but it's a celebration. So for years, I thought I need to make this into a full-length show. So I did that sketch in like 2009 was the first time I did that sketch. And I didn't do a full version or sort of a first iteration of the show until 2018. So it first was a live idea. The whole thing was a live idea. So Um, I wanted to do like an hour show and the first iteration was like a half an hour and um, 
And the only reason why I did that was because I had a friend who wanted to do a show. And so we shared the night. And so we set a date. We booked a date at three clubs. Um, and I was like, all right, you do the first half. I'll do the second half. We'll invite our friends. And we won't have the pressure of, like, selling a night out and whatever. And so that's what made me do it initially. And um, and then right around that I had a lot of information, but right around that time, I had started uh, dating my husband, who's a comedy writer. So then he contributed jokes to that first show, and we kind of worked on that together. We got married in 2019, and then the pandemic happened, and that's the whole reason why any videos even started to happen. Wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so where'd you meet your husband? <laughs> well, actually, my friend from UCLA uh, married his writing partner. So they got married, or they had a party. They eloped, but they had a party in 2018. And so they sort of set us up-ish. Like, we met at their wedding. We went out, and it was clear, pretty clear that it was a good situation. And, um, and it's still what... Like, we had... We had a great, not to, I mean, I don't want to be insensitive, but we had a good time during the pandemic being together, like spending so much time together, creating videos together. Um, and that's basically where it started was because there was no, we didn't have anything to do. And I had started doing live shows in character most of 2018 or 2019 as well, I, but only a handful of shows. So I did like, and nobody was coming, <laughs> but I did like shows at Celebration Theater and Three Clubs and Rockwell, but like maybe five shows total. And then the pandemic happened. And so um, just to occupy our time and to keep having fun doing the thing, we started making videos and then TikTok was where I grew first. And then, um, and then the Fosse, the Fosse tutorials. People are I'm seeing what people are asking. They want me to do Harper's voice so that they can so that they can uh, know that I'm for sure her. Okay. Um, hello, my friends. <laughs> it's me, Broadway legend Barbara Dixon. Thank you so much for being here. I'm I'm channeled through my dear agent and friend Leah Sprecker. So there you go. Oh my God! <laughs> totally amazing. So like when you started creating the videos what does your husband write on tv or was he in the groundlings with you no he was not in the groundlings so we he's primarily a tv writer he works a lot with joel McHale. so he did the soup he did that kind of, he's done all kinds of things like writing for award shows writing for sitcoms writing for you know whatever joel hosts like events and things like that so his skill set like just his ability, he's really prolific with joke writing. And so it's amazing. Like I, I'm like, you know, it's a full collaboration, but he doesn't know anything about musical theater. <laughs> like he's, but, um, but yeah, so he's a TV writer and he also edits the videos. So that's really nice. 
he uh had they're great there's that's what i'm curious about what like walk me through the sort of genesis and creation so you were doing this show live you did it like a handful of times a 30 minute version uh-huh. uh it was like the beginning of all shows trying to get people there whatever and then the pandemic hit and you guys went into these you know one minute videos uh, what is the creation process? Like, do you sit down and write five in one week? Do you guys like brainstorm? It's kind of, it's sort of all over the place. Um, you know, we, we never really had a regular schedule. I will say that they didn't start as one minute videos. Like they started as like our background, which is like a three minute sketch or whatever, five pages of something that you're shooting in landscape and you know and then realize and being really resistant to like shooting and portrait and shooting short form but it's been like a process of you know just like being okay with that (laughs) like being okay with a style that we were resistant to initially um but as far as like the ideas it was it it's it's just sort of like when they would strike and then we started making videos surrounding like holidays and stuff too as inspiration and um obviously the dance videos I did like a tap tutorial and that was all just oh because it's physically funny like the character initially the tap dancing was the funniest part about the character so in my mind I'm like okay the dance the physical stuff which we kind of started with was like a tap tutorial but then it's like then you branch out and it's like Barbara can talk about anything and have it be her own spin on it and not even Broadway stuff. It's like one of the biggest videos was was what I eat in a day. And it's like, that has nothing to do with, it's just the character. So, um, yeah, there's no regular schedule. I would say that that's kind of good because we also don't want to, we don't want to like suffocate the thing. Um, I mean, it helps to like, it's not always going to be fun. Like it's going to be work to put stuff out. But I think one thing that people unfortunately do is they just, they, when they get success from one viral video, like that Fosse video that I did was, um, you know, the big, the biggest viral video I had, I had had, and that was last September. And so it's the tendency of people. So you get success from that one type of video. Then you're like, all right, I'll just become the Fosse person who just does a million Fosse, Fosse videos and a million Fosse moves because that's what people really like. But it's like, that doesn't, after a while, it's not fun. Like, we'll, we'll put one out every now and again, but we don't want to, like, strangle the idea. And also, it's like, what's the point of doing the videos? The point for me has always been, because I love the live show, and, like, And it's been so cool once things opened up that from the videos, I got this audience that is now coming to the live show and not just in LA, like in New York and in Chicago and London, I did a show in London and I have people in London that like know about it from social media. So for me, like, that's what I love the most is the live show. So I'm like, the videos are really fun. I love the videos too, but I'm not trying to be uh, an influencer. Like I want to build a live show. So if you have a goal in mind, then you're like, then why do we, why would we have to have, yeah, we'll put videos out. 
we still like to do that, but it doesn't have to be this crazy schedule of like, I need to do, you know, three 15 second videos a day or like, I don't know. So we we're still just sort of following the inspiration on it. Okay, cool. So you don't go like every Monday I'm putting out a new, you follow your inspiration and joy with it. And then how did that lead to your amazing one and a half hour, right? Live show, which is now at the bourbon room, which we went to and we were all completely blown away. I mean, how, how long did it take you to create that? What was the process with that? Who's your team like running your business with you? So the team, the core team really is just my husband and I, and prior to the bourbon room show, I've been doing smaller shows like me with a trio of musicians and no, no dancers, no producer, no nothing. Just me booking all my shows, my husband writing jokes for the shows, me having ideas for new songs I want to sing and what the joke of the song can be. And so, and, and also just being informed by adding material based on like a city I'm going to be in or whatever. And then realizing, Oh, I really like that song. That'll become part of the, the main show as well. So it really just, I've just been adding songs kind of as I go and as I've been doing iterations of the show, but again, it has all just been my husband and I, and then me doing like producing, booking, emailing venues, getting to know, you know, like following the trajectory of other people's careers and being like, Hey, do you have the booker for that place? Like I want to go play there. So prior to bourbon room, that's what it had been. And even like, it's just so funny because you never know because Instagram, my Instagram suddenly started exponentially growing like back in August. Like I was struggling for 10,000 followers on Instagram until like August of the, of sorry, 2022 and I don't really know what changed, but I feel like Instagram is a place where people come to know more than TikTok. Like Instagram, they'll get show information. They'll, you know, they want to know where they can come see you. So prior to that, even when I was doing shows in LA, it was a struggle to get people out to them. Then there, the woman, so the woman that announced my show at the Bourbon Room, Marissa Matthews, she started producing a Broadway series at the Bourbon Room. And I guested as Barbara in one of those shows. And I was just so impressed by how much of a community of like Broadway people she was creating at the Bourbon Room. And I'm like, where have all these people been? Because I've been trying to do these shows in LA and like people weren't coming. And I think it's a combination of factors that the Bourbon Room is cool. Like it's like kind of, got some cachet and um and then also she was just creating this really cool community of people that wanted to come out to her shows and so when I did I did like a five minute bit in one of her shows and I'd never had that huge like her audiences they were just like so into it so we met and I was like what do you think if you produced my show at the bourbon room and so that's how that happened in September we partnered in September on my year round show. And it was just, it was the first time I had any help with anything else. Okay. That's amazing because when I went to your show, 
I was like, wow, I was super impressed. Not only is it like an amazing show, but all the choreography, all the, and I'm okay, so that, sorry, the choreography, I did have a choreographer, my friend Dylan Smith, who actually had done 42nd Street with me back in 2005. Uh, and he lives here now. And I had, I had asked him to choreograph the September show and the Christmas show. So now that the show's bigger and there are dancers, I did not choreograph all of it myself. I did welcome somebody to do that. And then also I've been using a music director um, named Bennett Brown, who was the one who led the band and who had created some, a lot of like the dance breaks and some of the new arrangements there was, we had never done um, All I Want for Christmas. Um, so he, he arranged that. So he'll, he makes some new arrangements for the show, but Prior to that, like that Hanukkah medley, I arranged, <laughs> like I, cause I can, I mean, I grew up playing piano, so I have a knowledge of like chords and reading music. So I like, you know, penciled a terrible lead sheet of that medley and then passed it off, you know, eventually got real sheet music made, which I don't do. I don't have the programs to do that, but, um, but yeah, so finally I have help. So you have, <laughs> do you have like a support system now? Like someone who takes care of all the merch, sells the merch, like uh, any of that no. stuff, like all the amazing videos, the, the court, you know, the, all the stuff in your show, like even the tags on your videos are so good. Like, thank you. Thank you for it. Yeah, like, no, all the so stuff. That, that was, um, you know, that tagline has been around since we first started doing the show. Um, but then I, I realized I was seeing on other people's videos, like having your logo, having a tagline at the end of the video will only help like the branding of something. So we started adding that we, meaning my husband and I, like all the videos, all the management of that, all the editing of the videos is my husband. The merch, we like prior to that show, we I went to the 99, don't tell the people who bought the candles. I bought the candles and designed the labels of the candles got them printed and we were putting stickers on candles like two days before the show so no you know we're doing everything that's amazing what is like where do you get this drive and this diy-ness i just think it's so cool to like to have and it was all me going like i just want there to be a cool cohesive merch product at the live show for people to take away and my husband a couple Christmases prior had bought me a Barbara you know prayer candle so I was just like it'd be so cool if we could make one for people to buy and I just the same as the headshot program I'm like as much as that's like a pain in the ass to be stapling like programs that's a huge part of the experience of the show. And it's just like, you're like world building, right? Like I'm like, and that's all I have drive to do it. Cause I'm just, I think it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, like I, I think uh, visual arts is just something that both my husband and I are good at too. So I have Canva. I don't know how to Photoshop, but Canva is like an easy, you know, program to do designing in. So what does he edit on? What does he edit your videos on? Final Cut he edits in. Oh, so he doesn't do iMovie. He does actual. Wow. 
Yeah. And, he, and this has made him a lot better because he's been like, okay, figure out how to do that thing I really want to do. And he has the same kind of like uh, delight in the small details of something. It's like, well, nobody's going to really notice that, but like we notice it and we want it to be good, you know? How uh, Mark is asking, how did you come up with the tagline and thank us for what? Thank you. Thank you for it. <laughs> well, it, it like, it actually was just a moment. I don't know. It, I don't even really fully remember it. It was like a moment of tenderness between my husband and I. And I think I maybe like kissed him on the cheek or something. And he was like, thank you for it. And he said it. And then we were like, that's so weird. <laughs> and so we just started saying it because I'm just like, it can really mean anything. <laughs> And I just think it's a funny, weird way to thank people. So it just became part of the vernacular. That's so cute. And why do you, like, how, since you're running everything on your own, you're, like, but you're slowly trusting other people to do things. Like, how do you find these other people to collaborate with? Because it's so important to have a great team and and I'm did you have some duds along the way or just find a great no because we just we haven't really had any production help so you know prior to this I've had other friends play uh you know in the smaller iterations of the show I'm friends with these twin boys who one plays piano one plays bass their their names are Jack and Benny Lipson and they were the first people to play the show so they're part of the show when they play the show they play Barbara's twin sons in the main show whenever they play the show so anyway like they they were playing the show one of them lives in New York now uh Benny actually sometimes still plays bass for the show it's like everybody who's been most people who've been a part of it continue to be in, in a certain aspect. But as far as like, yes, moving forward with bringing real people onto the team, it's more just like the main thing to feel is like, it doesn't need to be anything more than what it is. So I'm not, yes, it's nice to have help, but I'm not desperate to like, I'm not desperate to grow the thing. Like it's going to grow. I love doing the show. It'll keep growing, but it doesn't need to be anything other than what it is now. So that means that whoever we welcome in, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to bring? Because we don't need you. So, I mean, we, we need you if you're going to make it better and not take from it, but we don't, we don't need you in a sense that we need to get to this place, right? I don't know if I'm making sense in that. Totally. I'm going to audience questions now. Okay. Um, how, okay, so you kind of already end. So you kind of already answered, how do you handle the accounting aspect, figure out what salary to pay yeah, yourself? No salary. Well, the, the, what we pay others. out is all based on, on like the budget of the show and what we can make, but I never started to even make any semblance of, of, a, of a profit until this past year. Like I was making, not really making profit till last year. What do you think turned it around? Like how did you start making a living being funny essentially? Um, well, I think it's just, I think the growth of it and the, 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 the bourbon room has a large capacity and also we're live streaming it. And so 
people have started to have that offering, like a high quality live stream that people can purchase and, you know, from all over the world and watch, like that's been helpful. And then also just like, when you, when you do have a following, you have these small trickles of income. Like there's a small trickle of merch sales. There's a small trickle of like money for reels, like the amount that your reels are playing or being watched. It's all small. Like there's no, it's not like Instagram is providing a salary for me, but it's all little trickles of money that, that create the bottom line for you. Um, obviously I am married and my husband like, um, and I do other, I teach music. I teach music to preschool kids, actually. That's another thing that I do. Um, and I have like a kids show that I do with a partner of mine. So it's for me, making, making that switch is just, for me, it's been, I'm okay with doing, I like doing all these different projects. Like that, that makes me happy. I don't need all my eggs to be in this one vehicle that's gonna like make me a ton of money um yeah yeah I love that and um I love that your husband and you get to collaborate that's like a dream situation yeah um I'm going to these audience questions is the wig on backwards and what inspired the wig (laughs) (laughs) I know everybody always goes nice backwards wig it is not a backwards wig (laughs) let me I was like it's right here I can show you um, <laughs> so, it's just funny just not even on your head it's funny that's the back of the wig is that's the back tag so the wig has always just been like this cool styled forward wig um and i bought it for that first sketch back in 2009 at a wig store on pico <laughs> Uh, what are your comedy inspirations? What are your acting inspirations? What What are your inspirations in general? Yeah, inspirations. So like we were saying before, I've always been really inspired by people like Elaine Stritch. That's a huge one for me. Um, I just, I, yeah. And, and Lucille Ball, just women that are not afraid to be, who they are. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say that those are sort of the inspirations. Um, who do you? Carol Channing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, who are your favorite comedians in general? See, I have such a, well, recently, my, re- I guess, because all of my references, I feel like are like all old. Like I, I just love Lucio Ball. Like, that's a huge comedic influence. Um, the show I loved recently was Pen15. Um, those women who wrote and created that show. I'm like, I think that that's incredible. Um, and I found that to be very inspiring. Um, just the Just the level of commitment. <laughs> Do you, what is next for you? What is next for you, Leah, and what is next for Barbara? So I always feel like I've kind of, Leah has kind of retired. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't have an age. Like, I'm not like pursuing acting as myself. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Um, I don't have any like reps 
or like plans to become like a star as myself. Like I really get to do a lot of what I like to do through the character. Um, it's extremely fulfilling for me. And, and again, it's like, what's next for Barbara? I think the possibilities are very much endless. Um, and like I was saying before, it is what I want it to be. I'm getting to do everything that I love to do right now. So then I could cry about it. But, um, so like what's next is really like, oh, do you have an idea for it? Cool. Does it jive with what we see for it? Cool. Let's, let's do something there. Like, I do think that there could be a Netflix special based on this bourbon room live show or whoever's going to buy it, whatever we do a live special. I think the show could be a TV show. It could either be a variety show or it could be like a Barbara's life, like mockumentary documentary style show. We have ideas for like TV pitches and things like that, but it's like all in good time. And like, I'm not, trying to make that happen right now I think it'll like organically happen um yeah I just really want to keep doing the show the live show and I'd love to tour the show I think that's big because doing it just doing it in LA is hard because there's a lot of people want to see it and and I'm like I know I know I know but again I don't have any like I'm doing it all myself so in order to to route a tour and even have those dancers with me on the tour it's like I need to I need some real producers for that. Are you hooking up with some? There's been some interest from some people. It hasn't like formalized into any sort of deal yet. So I think I have interest in doing some funding of it myself, getting a team of producers myself, or letting somebody come to me and try and option it and try and develop it. But um, it, it has yet to happen. So but I would like to tour the show. I would like to eventually do an off-Broadway off run of the show. Um, and I have people in, you know, the UK and Australia. It's like, I'd love to get over those places and like tour around there too. Um, what have, so you're literally just writing people. Do you have like a press pack or something? And you're like, hi, I want to book my show here. Like you're doing we, all of that on your own. We just started like, I just got together like a, you know, a one sheet that looks good to like help pitch the show. Prior to that, most of the places I've been playing are like cabaret spaces. So they're not big music centers. It's usually just like 130 seats and there's a booker whose email I get and I'm referred by somebody and I can, and either they send an introduction email. And then a lot of the time, because the social media numbers help, I can just be like, look at my following, people are coming, like I've been selling shows out, and then they'll just be like, all right, but these are small venues. So if I want to be building to larger venues, like then you're gonna have to be booking like a year in advance and have materials, I think. And okay. so, yeah, I'm like trying to get that stuff together now. Cool, well, you're doing an amazing job. It's super impressive. I'm wondering like, after you do a big show like that, that's an hour and a half, uh, a full song and dance, like yeah, physical, yeah. amazing physical comedy, amazing, you know, using your voice and, and straining your physical instrument. Like, how do you prepare for that? And how long does it take for you to bounce back from that? Like, is it feasible that you could do that every night 
for a week? Is that, you know, how does that think, work for you? I think I, cause I haven't had to do that yet. So the most I've done is like two nights in a row. Um, so I think I would really need to get somebody to help me, um, as far as like vocally and physically just like have a regimen. I have the beginnings of one, like I have a personal steamer that I'll use for my voice. I have, um, there's these like straws to like cool down. Um, I've started to be more conscious of taking care of myself because I know it's not sustainable. If, if I, I don't think I could ever do eight shows a week because it's too hard. It's too taxing, but I do think I could do probably like, you know, four to five shows a week, like a Thursday through Sunday run on something and then rest the rest of the week. But, but it would take, yeah, kind of building up to that because that show you saw, I was like, oh shit, I have to do this tomorrow. And I was so tired. It was like the Olympics of a show. Like, what do you do to come back from that? Do you get like body care, like a massage? Do you go, I, we talked about that you guys love Ojai and Tulum. Yeah, and, the- and, two, and we actually have stayed at Two Bunch Pond too. Um, Amazing. So yeah, like I'll try to, you know, take, baths like epsom salt baths and get massages we also have a theragun i was going to pt for a stretch but then it you know insurance ran out but i'm like i need to i need to figure that aspect out a little bit because it's hard you know you i danced a lot when i was younger and now i'm sort of doing like being shot out of the can and doing that again without having you know, been doing it for a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. I was curious also, uh, can you, are you able to keep up with all your fan mail? Because you have so many fans. I mean, are you, do you sit there and like answer all the messages all day or do you have someone doing that for you? No, there's nobody. It's, <laughs> it's all me. So if you DM me and you get a response, it's me. Um, I, I try to, I try to, and I try to, um, you know, people will, people will, yeah, I'll try to respond to as many people as I can. I, I don't get to everybody, but you know, you gotta kind of lighten up on yourself. <laughs> I saw, um, Broadway Barbara's amazing new year's goddess ritual. Does Leah have one? <laughs> Wait, the which video? The New Year's resolutions? Yeah, the New Year's resolutions. So good. But also, like, (laughs) with real wisdom at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, you know, we always try to come from a place of truth. Do I have any sort of ritual surrounding New Year's? Yeah, surrounding, yeah, just coming into the New Year. And also, I want to know about your beauty rituals. Like, how do you do Barbara's makeup? How do you do your makeup? Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really have any sort of like New Year's sort of like habit or ritual anymore. I think I spent so much of my life being really like hard on myself. And in recent years, I've been I've just lightened up. And I'm like, so part of, you know, I don't know, I've lightened up, and I feel really happy. So I'm like, I don't, I'm not sitting here going, I got to make all these goals and make all these plans. And um, so, no, I do not really have any (laughs) current rituals. Um, 
Barbara's makeup is just show makeup, really. Like, it's just an aggressive version of makeup I've done in the theater, which is, but, you know, the blue eyeshadow and the red cheek, the aggressive blush um, is just what you see older women who don't know how to do their makeup do. <laughs> it's so spot on. And what um, have you personally overcome had any obstacles in your life or career and and if so how did you overcome those yeah i mean that's a big that's a big one um as far as yeah life and career um well i don't know if you listened to the podcast where i talked about ha having being diagnosed with thyroid cancer when i was in my 20s oh no i didn't yeah. um that is something that happened early on. So in my career, and that was obviously like a huge, terrible thing that happens to you when you're young, but it did kind of orient me in like what's important and, and taking in like taking care of myself and my health from a young age and not everybody gets that. I think that's kind of a silver lining in that happening to you when you're young. Um, not that it happened right away. I, I sort of, again, like I said, I was very hard on myself. I always felt like I couldn't do what I thought was expected of me when I was going into auditions and, you know, trying to sing, trying to belt high, trying to do these things that I just didn't have I just couldn't do and but so desperately wanting to be a singer and be on stage and just spent years being really critical of myself and and then I think not that I I would never say I caused that to happen to myself but I felt like this isn't good like being sick being hard on myself being so critical certainly cannot help my health so I really, that kind of started a journey of like trying to not be so judgmental and critical of myself because really, you know, I was auditioning so much and I didn't, I barely worked. Like I barely worked in TV. I've, I've done ensemble and a handful of regional shows and touring productions. And I was so attached to what like to Broadway or, and then you get into the groundlings and then everybody's attached to SNL. And it's like, you feel like you have these things that you're supposed to get in order for people to see that you're successful. And it, it was so many years of me shedding, shedding that, shedding what I was doing to myself by saying, well, I haven't been on Broadway. That means I'm not good enough to be on Broadway or whatever it is that you tell yourself about what that means. And realizing that it's like no well first sorry this is a big answer but um do you know the woman who taught that uh finances class at the actors fund do you know miata miata idoga no did you ever take i forget what she called it but this was like back in 2015 i took her class and she sort of helped me reframe my mind surrounding show businesses which was we chose this it doesn't owe us anything. Not working means nothing about you and your talent. Like, it's just what we chose. And so to, so how, how secure do you want to be? Do you want to take a side job that 
makes you know that you're going to get a certain amount of money by doing that side job. And then you don't have as much pressure to try and make up that difference in your creative work. And that that doesn't mean anything. I used to think if I had to take side work, that that meant that there was something wrong with me, that that meant I wasn't good enough at what I was choosing to do. So back in 2015, just taking that financials class made me go, oh yeah, like it's all BS. Like it doesn't have anything, the money, the success, the ad, it has nothing to do with you and what you have to offer. And if I can switch that mentality and not sit here and think I have nothing because I don't have money, I don't have a career, I don't have these things, I don't have a relationship, and that means I have nothing to offer, you can just like switch that mindset and be like, no, that's, that's bullshit. Like that's something that we're told that just isn't true. And that was the beginning of me being like, I just love to do these things. I'm just going to figure out how to do the things that I love. And that's my career. Like who, who cares? Like as long as I'm doing those things to however many people are watching it, and now how great that people love to come watch it and are getting a lot from it. And, and that is so fulfilling. And that's what I mean when I'm like, it doesn't have to be anything other than that. Like I have friends that are like, yeah, but what do you want for your career? And I'm like, this is it. Like I'm already doing my career. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Just because I don't have the Netflix special yet, or I don't have like all this money or I didn't sell a TV show yet. Like it doesn't matter. Like I'm doing my career. Yeah. Uh, a most amazing answer ever. And I think I also did a financial thing at Actors Fund. I'm not sure if it was with her, but it was great for financial literacy and and reframing, as you say, the situation. Yeah. Um, I wonder, do you have advice for people starting out? What would you tell people who who would want to have a career like yours? A, a beautiful, blossoming, viral career like yours? Well, I think it has to start with, like, with you really accepting that there isn't anything wrong with you and with the things that you're drawn to. Like, my whole life I've been drawn to, like I said, like these old music. Like, I love jazz. I love Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. Like, I grew up listening to that music. And then I love musical theater. And then I just so happened to do the groundlings and then I love comedy too. And then I'm combining all the things I love. I play ukulele. Like I, I got to create a show now that, you, you know, that nobody else can really do because I'm creating it for myself based on the talents that I have. So I think that's the advice is to just be like, rather than thinking, well, you know, what's hot right now and how can I fit into that? It's like, well, what do you, what do you really love to do and take some steps towards that? Like you're not going to have all the answers, but you'll find by doing stuff with the things you like to do, you'll get more information and you'll start to grow something. And I think with this show, with creating this show, it started as, Oh, my friend's doing a show. Okay. I'll create a half hour of whatever this idea is. And then and then you go from there and then you build from there. You see the success of that or the lack of success, or you see what's wrong and, or whatever, you know, you just have to like take, take steps towards the things that you like to do. 
I love that. And I totally agree. What was your process writing your one person show? Did you take a class or do Edinburgh or just wing it? No, I just, it was sort of based on like, even just writing that sketch, like that five minute sketch was sort of the framework of the character, right? And so a woman, an older woman who's still trying to prove that she can do everything and play all the young roles and that she's viable and castable, but she really has never really made it. Um, and that's the whole show idea. And I had an idea of how the show starts and I had an idea like that tap dancing on husband's ashes was <laughs> the end of the show idea from the beginning, right? So it's like, you know, you got to get from point A to point B. And then I had ideas of songs that would be funny. And then you just sort of kind of fill it in. And, and you, you know, the serious song, Ladies Who Lunch, wasn't always a part of the show. And I think that that's become an important part because it does create uh, something grounding at the end that's more serious. So there's more of an arc and a truth to the character than just it being funny. What was your experience at the Groundlings like? Um, I had a I had a good experience. I think I went into it, you know, because I was doing musical theater as well. So I didn't go into it with like, this is my ticket mentality. Of course, when you get in there, it starts to feel like that because you're surrounded with that energy. Um, so then you're just like, yeah, I really want to make main company. But then, you know, I got cut after um, a year in Sunday company. Um, and it's like, I didn't really need to make main company. That wasn't, you know, it, it really was, but you started to like, really want it and then be sad when you got cut but I had it I'm grateful that I was there I'm grateful to have trained there yeah Did you have a good experience I feel the same I feel like it taught me so many things and gave me so many relationships that yeah completely changed the trajectory of my career um, yeah. And I also think it was a blessing to be cut when I was because it forced me to go into other areas that I wouldn't yeah. have otherwise explored, like stand up, which has been, you know, really great for me. But right. I think the momentum I got there from the writing, like having to churn out so much writing every week, um, informed everything I do, even now I teach comedy and I teach from that place of just oh. vomit drafting and writing from your right. intuition. And uh, I'll tell you one, yeah. one thing that was helpful coming from a theater background. Um, Cause in musical theater in shows, when you're in shows, you're supposed to like deliver your lines in a very specific way. Cause everybody's other, all this timing is dependent on the way that you're going to be. And so I would always get the note that I'm too consistent, like that I need to find when I was at the Groundlings to find more within the sketches and to play more um, that I'm really consistent, but that you need to, you know, so that was great. That was great uh, training coming from just having done theater. And again, it's like when you have your own show, you can do that. Whereas if you're like, stepping into a role that somebody else has been doing for six months and all these other ensemble members are dependent for timing's sake then you don't have which is also why i'm like i have more interest in doing my own shows than stepping into another sh long-running show 
because there's more playfulness and fun and being able to do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel the same. Just like doing your own thing is so joyful and not having uh -huh. to answer to anyone. I, I actually felt that way when I left Groundlings. I was like, wow, it's so freeing to not have to wear a bunch of wigs and run it by a bunch of people. Even though I respected those people's opinions, it really became the purest form um, of entertainment for me is just between me and the audience. Yeah. Cutting out the middleman and just following that joyful intuition, you know, to see where it guides you. Absolutely. And I think that that's why for both my husband and I, this whole thing has been so joyful because nobody's telling us what we can and can't do. And, you know, my husband has so much experience of like writing for shows and just being so much fear and being hemmed in so much. And you're just like, it's just so rewarding to do the show in front of a large audience and have people laugh so much and be like, see, like, we know what's funny. Why is everybody so afraid to, you know? No, it's, you guys do such a tremendous job with that show. And so like, what, I mean, how do you stay so positive, by the way? I mean, again, I think it's it, it's been such so many years of like letting go, needing anything for anything material or outside of myself for validation. It's just been years of grow of growing, <laughs> like growing your own respect for yourself and um, yeah, finding success. Whoa! Woo! <laughs> Just defining success for yourself and being being detached, you know, I think because I sort of had to be because I, you know, I was like in my 30s with no career and sick of feeling bad. It's like, well, if you don't want to feel bad anymore, then just stop. Yeah. Taking what other people, other people's ideas of what's successful, you know, you have to be really detached. <laughs> I agree. I, I have a little saying, detach with compassion to get that cash. I mean, it's true. Like, I just feel like I, I listened to your, your Marin podcast episode, which I really loved and appreciated. It's like both you and Mark Marin really under understand that. It's like you have this whole renaissance because you're finally being like detached, have some self-compassion. <laughs> And you're just like, and not needing anything to happen. And then it's like, that's when stuff happens, right? Yeah, sadly and happily. That is exactly when things happen, right? And it's, and I, I think that that's true freedom is not depending on external circumstances to, um, to know your worth and your value and to be able to validate yourself, right? That's like true freedom. Yeah. Um, and without right. without that, say you get your TV show, but you're like dependent on, whenever you're dependent on external circumstances, it can be taken away, right? So if you have that unwavering, right. like a tree unwavering um, foundation, nobody can take that from you. So that's like the real, I think that's the real Emmy. It is. It is. And just being like anything else beyond what I have right now is just like icing on anything. Like it's like I got a great relationship. I got a show I get to do that I love to do that really fulfills me. Maybe there'll come a time because people are like, do you want to do other characters? And I'm like, 
really this one thing gives me the opportunity to do everything I like to do. So then it's like, until it doesn't, then I'll find something else. And it's like, you know, I know we live in a world where we have to make money. So in the times where it's lean, then you like figure it out. But it's like, I don't know. Yeah. And I love all of your dancing. Your physical comedy is so... um, All I can say is we left your show just feeling completely inspired, um, completely energized. It was so fun. It was so happy. Where can people see you perform again? Well, we've been talking about the Bourbon Room show. So it's the residency is starting um, in February. So it'll be like the first Tuesday in February, March, and April, and then I think it shifts. But you can live stream the show, which is cool. And it's a pretty high quality, good live stream. So And yeah. where where do people find you on the socials? Broadway Barbara Official on Instagram and Broadway Barbara Official on TikTok. Um, or you can follow Leah Leah underscore Sprecker. How do you spell um, Sprecker? S-P-R-E-C-H-E-R. I'm really curious if there's people on here that are like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you really want people to know about you or Barbara? I don't know. I think think we covered most of it, most of what I like to talk about when I talk about it. Um, Yeah. Are people surprised when they meet the real you that you're so different from Barbara? Because I, when I Googled you, I had to do a deep dive to find the real Leah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, she's young. <laughs> yeah, people are surprised. And I, I don't, you know, I, it's funny because it's like, I, I like, I like not having me be a part of Barbara's Instagram at all. But I don't think I realize that there's some people who really, particularly because it's videos, I've been accused of using filters to appear younger on videos. Like people have been like, just embrace your age. Why are you? And it's like, I'm not, I'm not using filters. So I have been surprised. I got out of the costume one time after a show and shocked a group of women. And I, so I'm, I don't do that <laughs> anymore. Cause you know, I think some people really like to not know. Um, it, it basically quick story, but it basically was like, If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. People as Barbara, she gave me a bracelet. I went downstairs after the show, greeted some of my friends, and I had gotten out of the costume and I had the bracelet on and the women were there. And so I went and it was the first gift anybody had given me. So I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And, and this woman was like, like so like daggers like oh my god Barbara gave this woman the bracelet I gave her like she was so confused and so mad and then and then you just see like recognition wash over and they're like oh my god see I told you she was she was young I knew it and and
and then you know it just kind of like ruined the illusion for them um so yeah i try not to do that if people really want to live in a world that barbara really you know is a real person <laughs> i love that i love that you prev- uh preserve the uh sacred sacredness sacredy sacred yeah. i don't know what that word is um do you, how what's the secret to a viral video on tiktok there is none it, it's so arbitrary and weird and i don't i still don't understand it so i'm sorry i cannot help you <laughs> <laughs> i just i got to as many audience questions as i could i think we had an amazing uh chat i'm so grateful that you stopped by today and i just am so proud of you and so happy for all your success and i really hope that everyone gets to experience your live show at least once because it's uh, it's, it's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate talking to you. I just want to keep talking, but I have to go. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, great to see you. Happy new Me year. Too. Happy new year. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks everyone for coming and subscribe to the podcast at the link in my bio. If I think Instagram leaves this on for 30 days and then you can just listen to, uh, you can find it later on podcast on all streaming platforms, but I really appreciate everyone coming by today. And for all your questions, um, if we didn't get to them, all of them, I'm sorry. There's a lot going on, but I appreciate your support. And um, I don't know how to end this. Happy New Year. I love you. Bye.